When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. back everybody to another episode of benched with bubba continuing our season previews team by team through all 30 teams across major league baseball to get you ready for the fantasy baseball season go to the al west and talking some texas rangers baseball a team that has not been afraid to spend money in the last few years and in doing so has brought some fantasy intrigue to our game where in years past they were just part of the bottom of the al west they have uh, some interesting things to talk about today in order to break that all down i have a special friend of mine friend of the show had the pleasure of meeting him a few times in Arizona. Had the pleasure of writing with him and doing other things with him. And now he has his own website, DC Dynasty. So check him out. Check out the website. Check him out on Twitter at LucasBeery33. Lucas, how are we doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Bubba. I had a lot of fun uh, listening into the team previews myself uh, with my prep and excited to kind of be a part of one. Um, I started uh, a website for draft champions players as well as dynasty players, really deep league uh, focused uh, fantasy players. Um, as you said, it's at dcdynasty.co. Uh, you can see all the links on my Twitter page if you uh, feel free to look there. Yeah, for sure. And I'd highly recommend it. It's great stuff. Lucas is a very sharp fantasy mind, uh, for one, but also the content's great. He's always put uh, awesome content out there. So he's doing his own thing, and it's very awesome to see it go. So make sure you guys check it out. I dropped it. It just came out, was it Monday or late last week? It was really recently. And, um, yeah, you just dropped all kinds of stuff right out the gate, so it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, Sunday night I kind of yeah, made it live. Um, there's a host of different articles, two uh, draft champions types of articles. Uh, there's an auction article for kind of $1 targets. Um, and then catcher and first base are uploaded as well for position previews. And yeah, feel free to check it out if you wish. Yep, go do it, folks. Help, help them out. It's really, really good stuff there. Let's talk Texas Rangers. This is a uh, fun one. I was telling Lucas he's taking one for the team here. I'll go behind the scenes. It was hard to find a Texas Rangers um, fan slash fantasy analyst out there. If I missed you, I apologize. But Lucas is an awesome dude, and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll help you out and do that one. So we are going to go through this team. Like I said, there's actually some good fantasy intrigue here. They spent some money recently, and it's made it quite interesting. So we'll start at the top with one, Marcus Simeon, who started out last season – people were cursing up a storm. Like, who is this guy? What happened to the dude that, you know, in 2021 was awesome? Then he second half finished really strong, still got you 26-25, most steals in his career. 
And most importantly, Lucas, once again, played 161 games. Like the dude plays and plays and plays. ADP is around 33 over the last couple of weeks. Uh, what's your thoughts on Simeon this year? Because I know for me last year, and I was like, no, I'm not paying a premium for a guy off a career year. It's just not, that's something I don't do. Um, but it's hard to discount what he's done, especially consistently playing over like 159 games over and over again. Yeah, so as you said, kind of with Marcus Simeon, I would say his number one calling card is elite durability. And some fantasy pundits talk about whether that's going to be able to be repeatable, but with him, it's so far so good, and I think you can count on that. Um, even whenever his ratios are down, like last year, his his uh, slugging percentage was down a little bit. He's still provided in the steals category, so you can look at him for potential 25-25 and as far as his batting average, I will say that's my one drawback with him. Uh, this year in drafts, I'm trying to protect batting average uh, early on because it's harder to get uh, high uh, plate appearance guys uh, with good batting average later on. So that's my one nitpick uh, with Simeon. But for steals at second base, there's not uh, there's not as many uh, as you might think. So that's another huge advantage for Simeon. Uh, so he's a very safe player, I believe. Um, you'll just have to plan around his batting average, which could be in the 250 range. Yep, that's a great point. And you're paying, you're still paying a premium for him. Uh, we kind of know what we're going to get now. You mentioned especially with the the batting average uh, aspect with the steals and the power. Uh, just for fun with you, Simeon is the first second baseman off the board at pick 33 over the last two weeks. Altuve is going three picks behind him. Would you rather go Altuve or Simeon? Yeah, I'd rather go Altuve. Uh, you're buying a better lineup. You're getting a little. You're getting a lot better average. Um, and both are good picks. That's why it's a good question, but I just have a better comfortable feeling with Altuve. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's, it's second base is a fun position. Like you said, you have catcher and first base on your site. So second base obviously coming shortly. That's usually the order of things. Um, and we look at ADP lately. It's like those two guys are in the thirties and you have jazz in the four at 41 and then it drops to Aussie at 55. Then drops to Tommy at 69. Like it just takes drops quickly at the position, which, um, you don't get everywhere else. So second base is a fun one to navigate come draft time. So just keep that in mind, folks. If you are like that, that that's one of the perks, I guess, to having Simeon is the second base position is too. It's rough. It's rough out there unless you like like some later round guys, which is totally fine. But um, just keep that in mind. Let's go to uh, the shortstop position with Corey Seager, a guy that I've always had issues with because he just doesn't stay healthy. That's been my biggest thing. Well, last year, 151 games. Most he's played since 2016, and he had 33 jacks. We saw what we wanted to see from one Corey Seager, Lucas, and uh, he's got an ADP close to 65 over the last two weeks. What do you think about Corey Seager for 2023? Yeah, so with uh, with Corey Seager, um, based on the – uh, based on the ATC projections, he has the second highest WRC plus of any shortstop outside of Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, his batting average is going to bounce back in a serious way. Um, I'm looking at maybe a 280 average with with 25 to 30 home runs. Um, and and I do understand he did deal with some injuries early on in his career, but um, you know he had Tommy John surgery. I'm not going to bang that against him too badly. Uh, he had an he had a hip surgery that cost him a full year. Um, and he got hit by a hand recently, which uh, caused him to miss some time in 2021. So I personally don't think the injuries are are too bad for an athletic guy who's stuck at shortstop much longer than the scouts expected. Uh, he's got an elite hit tool with 25 to 30 home run power. Uh, and I think he's an extreme value at his ADP. 
Yeah, I'm starting to come around a bit on Corey Seager because, like, like I said, I was always just against it because he wouldn't stay healthy. And then you look at what he did last year, and I, I you know, look, he's he's only 29 this year, still very, very young, which is big. I'm 100% on board with the batting average claim with you because he had a 242 Babbitt last year. He's always been above 300, usually well above 300, but at least above 300, which obviously will support a much better than 245 batting average. And um, I've – I haven't delved too much into the new rules and trying to like make that dictate like how I'm going to approach drafts. Maybe you have and you have insight on this, but from the very, very smart people out there, like the Petriellos and all these other guys that have broke it down, Seager's like the cover board, cover mm-hmm. boy for guys benefiting from the shift. And it makes sense if you dig into it more. Um, so that would obviously affect his BABIP and his batting average and things like that as well. But uh, one other uh, thing mentioned is you mentioned the power even with the bad batting average in Babbitt, he saw the 211 ISO, which is like the fourth straight year above 200, which is pretty mm-hmm. darn outstanding. So there's a lot to like with what he's doing out there. I 100% agree with you on that. And for those that are X stats believers, I know a lot of people aren't. I like to look for big gaps in X stats, and his is humongous in like every category. So it just showcases kind of what I've echoed like overstead like three straight times now. He's definitely underperformed last year, under got unlucky, depends on how you want to look at it. So I'm on board with you on this, and it might be like the first season where I'm kind of like, okay, I'm willing to draft Corey Seager now because I'm finding other areas to get stolen bases, and if I can get a potential 270, 280 with 30-plus home runs, it's kind of enticing at at the shortstop position still. Like, would you rather go Seager or Xander Bogart? Similar profiles to me. I think Seager has more power in the bat, even though I'm a huge Xander fan this year. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Seager does have more power. That's just one of the, both both those guys are serious average guys, no steals. Like, so what are you what are you going to get type department between the two? And I think with with Seager, you kind of mentioned the no steals. Uh, in one DC I did, we were able to get uh, JT Real Muto. So mm-hmm. whenever you get Seager, you got to be really careful because obviously you're going to be expecting steals at shortstop. So make sure you can get. Uh, extra steals from your outfield, or like I said, a real Muto or a Jose Ramirez would pair beautifully uh, with Seager. Yeah, and it's one of the new things. Well, not it's not a new thing, but new for me. Trying to like, you know, we always try to draft and go, okay, I need guys with all these in every categories, and I got to hit these numbers and blah blah blah. And in the end, you want to hit numbers. I'm not going to say no, but I'm trying to make it a point now. I just want my end team stat lines. I don't care how I get there. If I get the better player at the point in time, that's what I'm more focused on. So if I have to take a guy with no stolen bases, I know I can get it back elsewhere, like you're saying. Where like in the end, I used to always struggle with power because I wouldn't take a Pete Alonso or an Austin Riley. Or now I'm like, okay, I can take one of those guys and definitely still make it work. Same can be said for a Corey Seager. You don't have to get the shortstop in the early rounds to get you 20 steals. It's nice. It's a good cushion, but you don't have to, which is what makes Corey Seager a nice little fall. I wouldn't say fallback. That's not fair to Corey Seager, but a fallback plan from the early round shortstops. All right, let's talk first base here with Nathaniel. I still can't. I still would love to know the explanation of why he changed it back to Nathaniel. I've been waiting because I've been saying it so many times now. Nathaniel Lowe, formerly known as Nate Lowe, uh, ADP of 105. He had a huge season last year, and we've kind of been waiting for it. And he, he got out of Tampa Bay. This is his second season in Texas now. 27 homers hit over 302. Uh, some big boy stuff from him, but there's also potentially a few like, uh, let's just take a step back things to look at as well. So what's your thoughts on Nathaniel Lowe, who you are definitely paying a price for this year at 105? Yeah, I mean, he certainly had a, a monster year last year, providing well, providing a little bit over a 300 average with nearly 30 bombs and a power-starved MLB. So 
I, I can kind of understand why his ADP is elevated at a borderline top 100 player. But for me, um, even though first base um, isn't as good as it used to be, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, I still think there's a guy, there's a really good middle where you can find values 50, 75 picks after, uh, after Nate Lowe. So I don't have any problems with him per se. It's just that elevated price. Um, I'm not willing to pay. He has, he's probably going to give you a 260, 270 average, which is nice with the power. Um, but I think that uh, regression could hit him a little bit. And I think that that 300 average he just put up with the 27 home runs is baked into the top 100 price. 100%. You're paying, you're paying for last year's season with him, which is kind of concerns me because before last year, you know, his Babbitt this past year at 363, his best was 339, and that gave him the 264 average. And we saw that again in 2019 as well. Uh, we saw his walk rate drip uh, dip over 5% last year, which he used to be a very, very good um, disciplined guy at the plate. So that kind of concerns me a little bit. Maybe he sold out for that. Maybe that's his new philosophy. I don't know. But I 100% agree with the bad average. I don't think sustainable. The power could be. We always thought he could have power. So that's great. But the bad average, and that could lead to maybe less home runs or maybe something else. So just keep that in mind with with uh, Nate. And I think there are other options down below if you need to, even if just a little bit later, like your Christian Walkers of the world, or you can go to Anthony Rizzo, or you can go to somebody else. Like I think there's definitely options farther down if if you're not in love with Nate Lowe, which I'm not uh, overly <laughs> invested in this season. Yeah, he's a solid player. I think he'll I think he'll work out okay. But uh, like you said, that price we're, we're looking to make sure we have enough saves, steals, and still important to load up on starting pitching so it's just a little too elevated of a price but he's a decent player yeah he was a lot a lot more fun last year he was like 250 to 300 wherever yeah. it was that was a much more appealing situation <laughs> uh let's talk Adelise garcia uh he's coming with an adp close to 60 about 58 right now and he's a guy that everyone's like oh he strikes out too much he strikes out too much well he dropped it actually almost three and a half percent which doesn't sound like much but when you see 31 to 28 that still feels nice um Power, speed, 25 steals. The Rangers run, folks. We're seeing that. Rangers run. We'll see if they run with Bochi, though. That's the question. Because I did – someone tweeted it out. I can't remember if it was – I think it was Frank Stample tweeted out um, that with uh, the previous manager, I was totally blanked on who it was, uh, they ran more than like anybody in baseball. So we'll see about Bochi, who didn't run a lot with the Giants. But to be fair, as a Giants fan, they didn't have a lot of guys that could run. So like, we don't know if that's Bochi's philosophy. But what's your thoughts on Adelise Garcia now, who has done it two straight seasons, and it's kind of be like it was whole like prove it, and he proved it again. So, what's your thoughts on him? Yeah, so with Adelise Garcia, um, obviously you're taking him for potential 25-25 guy. We need the steals, and uh, when you really break down the player pool, there's not very many guys that can do that. So you're going to have to look hard at him. Um, my problem with him is still the elevated swinging strike rate. I mean, it's at about 17%. The benefit is, is that when he does get a hold of one, he's got a 13% barrel rate uh, with almost a 50% hard hit rate. So it's just one of those things where if he can kind of repeat what he did last year, I think he'll work out amazing with his uh, underlying metrics. Um, it's just, for me, I think he could be a good pick, but um, I just don't feel comfortable with it per se, even though he's got the hard hit rate to support it, but the strikeout rate's still a little high and, um, just feels a little risky for me personally. It's a dicey one. Like it's one that I've invested in a few times. I prefer to go with like the Randy Rosarena a round or two earlier, that kind of profile. Mm -hmm. um, but it's one of those, if I, if I miss on Randy or I maybe I just completely 
don't care about stolen bases early. I try to like Randy and Adelise and it's like, Hey, here we go. Let's see what happens. But like when I look at um, Garcia's, you know, Fangraphs page and you mentioned the swing, the swing profile, basically there's a lot of Javi bias in this one, folks, yeah. a lot of it. And we've said it for years, like eventually it would catch up with Javi and it did, but it's the same thing. Like you said, is even with Javi, like he could bounce back this year because that profile, if he starts to figure out how to make a little more contact, it's a beautiful thing where they hit the baseball. And you mentioned that at least, and just for people's curiosity, if they have it, like league average O swings, 32.6, at least was 40.3. That's quite a jump. Um, and these are all, and he set highs in these last year. Um, just overall swing percentage is up like 6% above league average. His O, con- his, uh, o contact is 4.5% below league average. His overall contact uh 8% below league average. So there's a lot of just like, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, uh, chances for downfall but at the same time you mentioned how hard he hits that baseball all he's got to do is make contact and his contact numbers even though they're below league averages did go up last year which is pretty crazy to think about with his skill set so he's a fun one he's not like a main target of mine but i do have him circled based on my early rounds to see how things are building with my roster catching position now this is a fun one uh, a guy that i've kind of kept my eye on at the catcher's position that's jonah heim and uh, with Mitch Garver going down early last year, Heim was a, a guy they wanted to kind of get looks at in recent years. He played 82 games in 21. But he got 127 games last year. And overall, at a catcher's position, where you get him for almost free, like his ADP right now is 242, he produced. And so we're talking catcher two, maybe catcher three if you're going crazy in a DC. Um, what's your thoughts on Jonah Heim? Because I don't. Some people think he's going to be even better than he was last year. Like, there's still more to this kid. I don't know if that's the case, but what's your thoughts on him? Um, if you missed out on on one of the top catchers, um, or if you're looking for a catcher too, that's not going to kill you. This guy's absolutely perfect. Um, he's a young player uh, heading into his age 28 year. Um, he's got decent power, decent strikeout rate, and he's a good defender. And I trust him much more than Mitch Garver. So he's more of a volume play than a skills play. But I think he's perfectly fine since I think he has enough power to hit you a decent amount of home runs. And I think overall he's not going to kill you too badly outside of a little bit of batting average leak. But that's most catchers once you get to him. So I think he's he's solid. I wanted to be excited about him, but uh, it's hard to get thrilled about him. But um, he is definitely an interesting catcher to target. Yeah, and I 100% with that with that whole comment right there. Like, I want to be really excited about him, but it's tough, and I'm with you 100% there. He's definitely a guy, like, if you're a punt catcher person, he'd honestly be one of my main targets mm-hmm. if, he's a, if I'm a punt catcher because when you get to those later picks, like right now he's the 16th catcher off the board at 241. So you're getting down there. Like, you've lost out on Danny Jansen, who's the 13th, Cal Raleigh at 12. I don't know how you feel about them. But, like, after Jonah Heim, it's like Christian Vasquez. We know who he is. Like, okay, there's some pluses, but not a ton. You know, Gabriel Moreno, would you go Heim or would you gamble on Gabriel Moreno? I would have to go Moreno. I think that last year, uh, Bubba, one of my flaws was I was too okay accepting a AJ Pollock or a Jonathan Scope, just like the guys who were I'm going to pencil them in. I'm, I'm swinging for defenses a little bit more this year um, since I do play it safe early on. So I think at that range of the draft, you know, it's not like Haim is guaranteed to do anything. So I'm okay swinging for the fences a little bit with a former, uh, you know, top prospect with Moreno. I like it. I like it. Like there's Logan O'Hoppy. We still don't know if he's going to start with the team. I'm intrigued by him. 
um, just for fun, a guy that I've been torn on because now the price makes me intrigued again. Going 41 picks apart, he has money Grundall. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Or is he just broken to you? Yeah, we had a uh, we had Grandal slip after uh, to pass pick three hundred, and um, it was a DC. So if he fizzles, you're riding with him all the way. So, yep. oh boy, maybe in a yeah. Fab League, but uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. It's tough just, Grandal. Yeah, I was just curious what your thoughts were on him because, like, I'm looking at him thinking he can't be that bad. He's still like. You know, it's 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 tough. I haven't clicked the button yet. I'll tell you that much. I've done a, I've hard. done like seven. I've done seven or eight drafts, and I've walked right past it every time. But I've definitely stared at his name, thinking, man, if he's just half the player he used to be at this ADP, we're golden. So it's uh it's tricky. There's other guys that like I'm not going to ask you all. Like Christian Betancourt, kind of intriguing, and he's mm-hmm. going three ten. Joey Bart seems broken, but they're going to at least give him a chance at three twenty five. So there's dudes back here, but yeah, the Jonah Heim, like that's kind of that area where. If I'm punting, I kind of want to make sure I, I walk away with him or Gabriel Moreno, like you mentioned, or something like that. So just want to give a little more talk on on Haim, who I don't feel like gets enough love for, you know, back in the old days, Lucas, I should, you know, how old, I don't know. But um, the stat line Haim gives you, that was your average catcher. Yeah. Like, that's just what they were. We didn't have these glorified <laughs> offensive catchers like we do now. So, like, that's why I look at it and go, this is pretty sweet. I'll take it. So. We'll yeah, I think I think to one more quick point on Heim. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that the Rangers would love for him to pan out. He showed great defensive metrics last year, and he's relatively young. He had a monster first half with a 120 yeah. WRC plus, but I don't know why he fell off in the second half. Maybe it was fatigue. But uh, yeah. you know, guaranteed at bats at pick 240, I'm not going to say he's a great value, but I think he's more than fair at that range. Yeah, and you you hit on one other thing there is he's young and the Rangers like they had high high hopes for this kid. Like they mm-hmm. brought Garver in because it was a trade and Garver's going to DH anyways mostly. He's not going to catch. He's a horrible defensive catcher. Heim can defend. He's a good defense. So they want him to be good. So that like you said those guaranteed at bats another reason why I like him that late. Most catchers going that later are kind of in a 60-40 platoon or something where Heim's probably more like a 70-75. Like he's going to get a a ton of run too. So big mm-hmm. fan of that also. All right, let's get to the third base position. And if you missed on early third base or you're just waiting, which is totally fine as well, Josh Young is a very, very intriguing option at 210 over the last couple of weeks. We know the story. Like, I was, he wasn't even supposed to come back and play baseball last year after his injury. Came back between minors and the bigs, played almost 50 games. Um, there was very high expectations before he got hurt. And some people still have high expectations now, some are hesitant. What are your thoughts on Young going into 2023? 
Yeah, this was a player that last year um, on certain fantasy baseball prospect lists was top 10. And he's going to be guaranteed every day at bats starting from the get-go. I mean, he's he's not a franchise cornerstone, but he's that next level below in terms of his importance to the team. Like you said, he wasn't supposed to make it back. He uh, tore his shoulder in, in February last year. And the fact that he was able to get some experience, that was a benefit. So I'm not going to look at his numbers last year and and factored them in, even though he had a high strikeout rate, because it was a lost season. He was just thankful that he got a chance to feel healthy and rehabbed again. Uh, so he's a he's a high contact player who provides a little bit of power. He's a very advanced hitter. Um, now, is it going to click with him next year for fantasy? That's the ultimate question. Um, you know, I think he has a, an okay floor because he showed good uh, underlying metrics with his uh, plate discipline in the minors. Um, but if you're banking on him as a starting third baseman, I usually like to go before him. Uh, but he's an excellent upside play uh, in an in a online championship league. Um, and as a DC, he's a perfectly fine fallback. He's just not necessarily what I'm planning to do because I'm trying to get one earlier than him for third base. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Like in DCs, I've kind of had him as uh, a backup third baseman for me. I just don't mm-hmm. have the stones, I guess, to have him as my 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 number one. Or I heard Rob DiPietro mention this on his podcast on Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday, and I actually did the same thing earlier this week. I did Young, and I drafted Justin Turner right after him, and that That's gives good. me that kind of backing that I like because Turner's still going too late for a guy that'll hit as much as he did. So basically what we're both saying is have a plan yes. if you're going to draft Josh Young because the ceiling is still very high. It's just when I see shoulder injuries, I, I don't know. It usually takes longer than this to get back. It's like a year. To, it's a couple of years it feels like. So it's I'm true. just, I'm, I'm cautious. I'm just cautious is my thing with Josh Young. A lot of upside, but uh, yeah. it's hard to bank on him. Like you said. Yep. Very, very tricky in that regard. When we look at the rest of the Rangers offense, like there's like the top part we just mentioned, very fun, a lot of fantasy relevance. But you have like Brad Miller, you have Josh Smith, possibly Batuni, but then you have a couple of outfielders like Leody Tavares and Bubba Thompson. We both know there's tons of speed there. Tavares a little more power than Bubba. Um, like Leody's scheduled to start in center field. We'll see how long that goes for. And um, he has, and if I get off a of third base on this. He has an ADP of Leody Tavares of 354 over the last two weeks. When you go look at Bubba Thompson, he's 355. So they're going right next to each other. Do you have any interest in either one of those guys? Again, steals, a little bit of power, potential with Tavares. I uh, I know this is a very basic statement, but I think it's pretty applicable. I have a really hard time rostering uh, players that I think are bad hitters. And I think these guys are just way too close to that you know, sub 650 OPS line where you're going to lose your job, the mile straw line. And I know that the investment's much lower than with straw. And both these guys do have a lot of, a decent amount of prospect pedigree. But for me, I don't want to rely on them and uh, I don't trust them to make it as big leaguers per se. It's very, very fair and very, very viable because, yeah, if we knew one of them had the job, I'd be a little more inclined. But there is definitely rotations involved there and that'll make it uh, frustrating. But yeah, you never know. Let's head to the mound, and this is where they really spent some money recently. One, I don't like, I think you guys have probably heard of him. Jacob DeGrom is now a member of the, the Texas Rangers. ADP of 29 right now. It goes anywhere from 22 to 41 over the last two weeks. So definitely a lot of volatility, as we'd expect, with the guy that's amazing. Best fantasy player in baseball, potentially. Also don't know how many innings he's going to throw. That's a big question mark. How are you approaching DeGrom come draft season? Because I have not clicked his name yet. I'll tell you that much. 
Yeah, ever since uh, DeGrom was reported to have that partially torn UCL that magically healed itself, according to the Mets team doctors, uh, I haven't wanted to take him once in a draft as far as his cost, just because there's too much downside. Uh, however, I think the perfect format, because obviously we all we all know he's the best pitcher when he's on the bump, um, but I think his perfect format is an online championship because he does have that serious value to just skyrocket your team up the overall. Um, and it's a nice price point where if it does work out, you're going to get a good reward. Uh, but if it doesn't, it's a 12-team league, so you have some replacement options compared to a 15-teamer. So that's kind of my thinking there with the Grom. Yeah, that's the thing. You have replacements, that's for sure, and especially in a DC. It's tricky. It's tricky for me because I'm like, I think my first or second round pick, I'm, I'm taking this guy that I'm already planning on needing backup plans for. But yeah. at the same time, like you mentioned, he could win you everything. The dude is so amazing. How many innings do you think he needs to pitch to pay off his price tag for you? Um, I don't know if uh, if it came across as OC or DC, but I was thinking he's more of that online championship play. Yes, 100%. Um, you know, I'd say a hundred innings. If you get a hundred innings out of him, you'll be you'll be okay. Okay. Everything it's else just, after that's gravy. It's just managing around him. Do you decide to cut him if he's out for eight weeks? Uh, do you yeah. do you have uh, do you draft extra pitching around him in a DC just because you know he's going to miss time? I don't want to deal with that, even though he is a superstar pitcher. Yeah, I agree, and that's that's the conundrum I fall in. So that's kind of mm-hmm. where I'm out on him at this point in time. Uh, complete other spectrum. Martin Perez, this is a guy that uh, I don't know about you, ADP of uh, almost 300 over the last two weeks. Not a he's, he's boring. He's boring, and he had a sub-3 ERA this last year, best of his career, never done it before, 3-8 XFIP, so obviously things went his direction. But based on the ADP of close to 300, is there any fantasy interest to you with Martin Perez? You know, that price is not terrible, I will say, but I just don't trust him. And I think that the upside is very limited, to say the least. Uh, even in a career breakout year, which got him almost $20 million in the open market, his whip was 1.26. Not exactly uh, helping your team out much. Yeah. Uh, but he's a bulk starter. I get it. It's just there's no upside. And I think he's going to regress heavily closer to a 4 ERA or higher with no strikeouts. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm 100% with you there. He's only a guy like in a DC if I need innings. I'm going there, but it's not great innings, so it's kind of tough to to click that button. A guy that I have been very intrigued with, and I'm I've been met with optimism. Some people are like on side my side, other people are like oh, I don't think I can do it. And that's John Gray, who we were all excited to go to Texas. He got hurt only through 127 innings, but the numbers were still very strong. And we were all ready for him to get out of Colorado. Supposed to be healthy this year. He's got an ADP of 186 right now. Um, but like, even when he's healthy, he only goes like 150 innings most of the time. So what's your thoughts on John Gray? You're not paying a premium, but you're also like not getting a Martin Perez discount either. So Bubba, it seems like for years, the fantasy baseball community was dying for John Gray to get mm-hmm. out of course. And he finally did had a very successful season last year. And there's very minimal hype, which yeah. makes no sense to me. I mean, he had a very strong K rate with a very healthy one point. Uh, 113 ERA. I mean, that's extremely good. His best pitch, his slider got a 41% whiff rate and his fastball. I mean, it has good velocity, but it did get beat up slightly with a 420 slugging percentage. And I think if you draft him, 
draft him as your SP4 because he's going to have, like you said, injury concerns. Uh, but I think he is a very nice little upside play uh, with a decent floor. You're just going to have to prepare to throw in a middle reliever when he hits the IL shelf. Uh, but uh, he's a good pickup, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. I've been drafting him everywhere because that price just seems too good to be to me. Like I, 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 and I'm with you. You haven't heard a ton with him last year. It was nonstop. John Gray is the best value mm-hmm. in the draft. All this stuff all over the place because he was out of Colorado. Now it's John Gray can't pitch a full season. John Gray can't do this. Like, what do you guys want from him? This is who he is. Like at least that's the way I see it. He's just in a much better ballpark. And when he did pitch, he was outstanding. So I'm on board. We'll see how it pays off. But I, I am a fan of. Uh, what we've seen so far with John Gray and this this ADP, I will definitely enjoy. He's a guy I have a hunch, like once spring track pitchers and catchers report next week, I, I have a hunch when you see a f- few bullpens or see him start doing things, he might not blow the ADP out of the water, but it's going to tick up. It's going to – people will start getting hyped up again on John Gray. So He's, we'll he's going to be uh, – once the pitchers start to slightly – or not slightly, once the pitchers start to fly up the board, uh, he'll follow suit tail end uh, to them. And one other quick thing for his upside – I did notice that he struggled a little bit against left-handed uh, batters since he's a mostly fastball slider guy. He doesn't throw the change up much. If he can figure out a way to have a better plan against uh, lefties, that's only going to benefit all of his total line and his numbers. So just one thing to monitor, I suppose. Good point. Good point. Uh, another new Ranger is Nate Eovaldi or Nathan Eovaldi. They're all changing their names. Uh, ADP of 246 right now last year. Uh, only pitched 109 innings. It's kind of the forte with him. He's either full innings and awesome, or he gets banged up. But when he's out there, the ratios have been good. Strikeouts have been good. And similar to, or even better than John Gray, you're paying only an ADP at 246 for Eovaldi. Is he of interest to you? Yes, he is. Um, one thing that's been mentioned with him on countless podcasts from uh, Toby, as well as uh, Rob DiPietro, they, they highlight his velocity. Uh, he was not good with bad velocity. However, he did deal with a neck strain that put him on the shelf. I had him in several leagues last year. He was a big target, and uh, they rushed him back. Uh, they kind of did. Um, so the question is, is, is he going to be healthy? We're going to know more here in about two to three weeks. But, uh, you know, I think around pick 250, you're getting a full strikeout per inning from him typically. You're getting a, a manageable whip, and you're getting some good bulk. He's also going to get a nice little park upgrade from Boston to Texas. Uh, so I think he's a good pick, uh, but that velocity is key because if it's in the 92, 93 range, uh, all of what I said could be for not because there'll be a different pitcher at that point. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's just like um, you meant, one thing I really like about Eovaldi and obviously it hopes the velocity is back, but when you get later in the draft to get, find the guy that does have the strikeout upside he brings to the table, it's harder and harder to find. So I like that kind of uh, guy. I'd rather target him. And if it doesn't work, like I could drop him and stream someone else and hope to catch fire there, where at least if if he stays healthy, that's just another strikeout boost in a world where, you know, we, we, we're chasing strikeouts so often. And that's just a big, big I, – I, I was all in on him last year just like you. So yeah. I, I, feel, I feel the pain there. Another new Texas Ranger theme of the show, Andrew Heaney. And it's another guy that went healthy – Strikes out a lot of people, and his <laughs> ratios were great with the Dodgers last year. Got a new pitch last year, and his ADP is 212. So, another kind of he's in between John Gray and Nate Eovaldi, but we know Heaney's injury history also. It's a trend as well. Only one season over 129, which was back in 2018. So, what's your thoughts on Andrew Heaney with the Texas Rangers? Yeah, with Heaney, um, he really grew as a player with the Dodgers. And I personally believe he'll be able to carry a good amount of that over with him. 
I mean, his K minus BB, I know it was only 72 innings, so you got to factor in that it's going to not repeat. But, I mean, a 29.4% K minus BB with a 36% K rate, super elite. Um, I mean, a 17% swinging strike rate. And this goes to show you, as a two-pitch pitcher, I heard you talking about this, he can succeed because he's got a fastball and a slider, and he can get both-handed uh, players out. Like you said, the health injury or the health track record, as with almost all these pitchers, uh, is spotty. So you're going to have to keep that in mind. But as far as an upside arm, uh, this is a guy that could potentially put up 130 innings of 10.5 K per nine for your team. Yeah, no, that's that's why I've I do have some shares of Andrew Heaney. I'm not I'm not going like as aggressively as some people are, but it's one of those if I can get 120 to 140 innings out of him, I'll be happier than happy with what he's going to bring. I'm with you. I think he's going to continue to develop with Texas. It's a great ballpark to pitch in. I think anytime you can sit in a bullpen or a a dugout and talk with a guy like Jacob DeGrom about pitching, not going to suck. So that's going to be a winning formula as well. Bochi knows how to help get pitchers to develop also. So there's a lot I like with that, with that setup also. Um, I will say we don't have to talk about this guy at all. I just want to mention it to the listeners. We did mention a lot of injury concerns with Texas. Well, they have Jake Odorizzi, so he'll pitch eventually. I'm not saying go and draft him, but he's there if you need him. Um, he's he's another guy in your later DC rounds, potentially. Um, when we talk bullpen now, this is where it gets murky. Jose LeClerc is uh, scheduled to be the dude. You have Jonathan Hernandez, who had chances last year. Joe Barlow's still hanging around. How would you say you'd be approaching the um, – Open in uh, Texas with LeClerc leading the way with an ADP of 176. It's really hard for me to kind of spend that decent amount of a draft capital on a potential maybe. Mm-hmm. I would say LeClerc is the odds on favorite to get the saves, but um, I'm usually going or I'm, I'm always getting one guy that I'm, I'm very confident has the job. And then I'll kind of wait if a value happens. And of course this is league dependent, but um, the point is, is I'm not hoping to have to bank on him. Um, I'm more likely to throw a dart on Joe Barlow, who has fantastic uh, stuff metrics and is much, much cheaper. Uh, but I would say LeClerc's probably the more odds-on favorite, and I think he's good enough to keep the job. It's just I would rather pay for more security when looking for saves. We are 100% on the same page. A couple things on LeClerc. Not the... Like his strikeouts did go up recently, which was big. Because for the long time, he wasn't the biggest strikeout guy. Or if he was, he was walking too many guys. It was just a headache with him. So the ratios were always ugly. Last year's ratios were good. But even when he kind of had the main job, it was 12 saves, 14 saves. It wasn't like the lockdown guy. Where Barlow was very good until he got hurt and he just never got the job back. And one thing I love is, you know, if you're looking at these teams where it's kind of, I won't say mediocre is the right word, but it's kind of an up and down situation. Well, you got LeClerc at 176, or you got Barlow at 567. I'll take my chances with Barlow at 567, who I guarantee you, Lucas, we, okay, guarantee is not the right word. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if, if we looked back at this podcast in September and Barlow's got at least 10 saves. Like, I, it wouldn't shock me at all. So, um, d- definitely something to keep in mind. I, I like that call by you on Barlow. That's who I've been looking at. Jonathan Hernandez is there. I think he's more of a kind of a leverage type dude for them where Barlow's got that closing potential for sure. Yep. All right. Um, Mr. Lucas is a dynasty guy, which means Lucas knows a bit about the prospect world. Um, you know, Sam Huff is a guy they've been waiting to catch forever, but we love Jonah Heim. So let's not get too excited. 
Uh, are there any prospects that you think we might uh, see a little bit of this year when it comes to fantasy? Or are they kind of a, a little bit of ways still? So they've unfortunately had some very bad luck with their outcomes with uh, Jack Leiter, son of Al Leiter, and Kumar Rocker, two very high-profile arms. I don't think they're going to provide any impact for fantasy baseball this year. Um, so you can pretty much cross them off for, for redraft leagues. But one player that I'm very excited about for this year because he's going dirt cheap, and I think his skills are very tantalizing, and I think there's a huge opportunity in that outfield is Dustin Harris. Um, He's definitely a player that can provide a little bit of uh, speed to go with some solid power, and like we said, wide open opportunity in the outfield. He's already on the 40-man roster, age 23. I think he's going to provide a debut, and I think if you can get him in that round, you know, 44 to 50 in that uh, in the draft champions format. I think he's he's a good uh, stab. Over the last two weeks, there's been eight DCs completed in five of those DCs. So three of them he didn't even get drafted, and five ADP of 726. Those are the kind of late round darts I'm a big fan of. So like, and that's one thing I've I've told people like I really enjoy about these shows is having that kind of information at the very end is just these random guys that. You know, a handful of them we're gonna will get a shot at some point this season. It will happen. And uh, a Texas team mentioned forty man roster. We talked about the outfield situations. Like, could totally, totally see that happening. Uh, one thing I do want to mention: they're not really prospects, but they're on the minor leagues. And we mentioned again the injury concerns with Texas. I mentioned Jake Odorizzi, Dane Dunning, Glenn Otto, Spencer Howard. Um, just for fun, we don't have to dig into all their skill sets or anything. Mm-hmm. But they're all getting drafted throughout. DCs because we're like we're all in the grants they might all get 10 starts at some point in time it just kind of depends or at least a couple of them will um it's probably in that order Dunning Otto Spencer Howard I could be wrong but how do you kind of see those or are you just not even interested in them at all yeah so with Dunning um I watched a handful of his games last year and you know his 88 89 mile an hour velocity I think is just going to limit him he's way too hittable and his whip is atrocious I just I don't think he's – unless he has a velocity bump, I don't think he's going to pan out. The one guy that I have a slight interest in, and it's very slight, is Glenn Otto. Um, you can maybe see the uh, – you can squint and kind of see it if you if he had a velocity bump. His average fastball velocity was about 92.5, and, and he does have a big slider, which is nice. Um, so if he can kind of bring the strike – or bring the uh, walk rate down a little bit and provide a velocity bump, I know those are two things you're asking for probably too much. But if I was to put uh, a chip on one of these players, Glenn Otto, because he does have a nice slider, and he did dominate the minor leagues with the Yankees, uh, but in the majors it's been a different story. But, uh, hey, it's uh, tough to become a, a good major league starter. So this guy, he has a few pathways he could get there. I don't hate it. Glenn Otto, ADP is 663 over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Dane Dunning, 683. So, yeah, they're both going – Late in drafts, and I wouldn't be shocked if you get a little run out of either one of them at some point this season. Because unfortunately, with Gray, with DeGrom, with Heaney, with Eovaldi, there will be some misstarts. That's just the way it's going to go, and uh, those guys will be your first ones up more likely than not. That'll wrap us up in Texas, though, Lucas. Uh, Before we head on out, uh, plug away your wonderful DC Dynasty site once again. Absolutely. And I just wanted to point one more quick thing out with the Rangers, because there was a player that I think would honestly be a perfect fit for them because we had highlighted Leody Tavares and Bubba Thompson as as kind of being like targets for people because they have a roster spot. 
I think Jerickson Profar. There it is. Once you said those names, like that's who he's going with. I love it. <laughs> because you look at their bench on roster resource, and and uh, it's going to evolve. They're going to add players. They might make a trade. Um, but Profar could play a good left field, and I think he could provide a little bit of infield versatility to give spells to, uh, you know, Simeon or Seager. So uh, he he would make sense for them. I like that a lot. That's a great call. So got and Profar is a guy that I've keep looking at in drafts too and it's like i just wish you had a home and make yeah. my life easier um and, and he's only outfit eligible this year in the past we always had an infield spot to go with him which was always fun mm-hmm. but he gained that i would imagine throughout the season yeah adp of about 389 so it's not a bad uh chance because he will end up somewhere you're 100 correct and this would be a great fit as well so yeah good call on that one but yeah i yeah just it's tough to look at these depth charts and uh feel secure just because the guys you know on the depth chart now they're going to be making moves, and you really have to look at the skills rather than the position on the depth chart, I believe. Yep, the, the baseball HQ motto, skills over roles. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I like that a lot. And, yeah, and one thing is, like I said, pitchers and catchers report next week. Uh, there's already hitters down there. We're going to get a little more clarity here in a few weeks. Then again, maybe not because the WBC is going to screw all that up for a while. That's like, that's just that's the only, like, I love the WBC. I wish there was a better time of year for it because it just – it messes up so much right now, but that's a whole other story for another day. Um, so, yeah, what you got for DC Dynasty? Yeah, so for DC Dynasty, uh, I've, I've had a decent amount of support so far, and I truly appreciate anybody that that takes a look. Um, coming up this weekend, I'm going to have a Dynasty Do's and Don'ts. That's going to be a lengthy article. That's why I haven't uh, put it out there yet. But, um, you know, that's going to be kind of one of the articles that will be coming out. Um, I'm also going to be writing up uh, starting pitchers uh, with an ADP past 250 uh, that I think are uh, that I think are solid targets. I know a lot of people like to have uh, you know targeted names, so late pitching. I think that was a good one. An article I did for you a few years ago that I I want to repeat that stolen base primer. I'm going to bring that thing back because it's obviously a new player pool. I think that'll be good. Um, and, a, and a handful of other articles, uh, but in season, it'll be a lot of fab on Sundays for dynasty leagues and NFBC. Uh, Cause I don't see a lot of dynasty fab content. So that was kind of one of the inspirations behind the site too. I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm pumped to see what keeps coming your way. Great fantasy mind. Great dude over there. So looking forward to DC dynasty and watching that thing grow, but more importantly, make sure you check out Lucas on the Twitter there at Lucas Beery, B I E R Y 33 on the Twitter. Great follow, great information. As always, a great time, my friend. Thanks for joining me today. Absolutely, Bubba. I appreciate it. As always, everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, your Texas Rangers season preview. Catch you guys next time. to 25 times your money this football season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics and place your entry 
It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com/get100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.